0: Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean.
1: And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC sports. Let's go. Happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast, the Wednesday after Memorial Day. We didn't really get a chance last week, Mac, to wish everyone a happy Memorial Day. And thank those that have served and protected our freedom here in this great country. So I want to do that. And, Mac, it's the, kind of the beginning of summer, right? Memorial Day to Labor Day. I really can't believe that summertime is here.
0: We are here, and a, really a big week for my family, for your family. You were in Texas. Your brother got engaged. How fun is that? Uh, my brother-in-law about to get married this coming Sunday. So love is in the air, uh, <laughs> affiliated with the gramlick and MacLane podcast.
1: That's right. If you want to get engaged, just um, be our siblings. So you really can't do that. But uh, yeah, I don't really know what to tell you there. But yes, that's so true, Mac. These these are kids, our kid brothers our little brother's getting married. I know your your little brother's already married, so it's very, very exciting. We also have a very exciting podcast today. I cannot wait to get this interview out to the people, Mac. We talked to Wes last week. We will preface it with that, but all of these topics are evergreen, and just the thoughts he had on the ACC, the network, the landscape of college athletics, I'm very excited for our listeners to hear this one.
0: Well, let's introduce him then. Let's talk about Wesley Dallas Durham, who I associate with the ACC. Kelly, he was born into this conference and really has been one of those voices covering the league since we were about two years old. So, of course, as the network was born, there was no question that Wes was going to be a central piece of it all. And he is the co-host of the ACC Network's morning show, Packer and Durham. You can find that on every weekday, seven to ten. You can also hear Wes's voice if you just—I I, honestly, Kelly—we should get Wes on the uh, the the app, the Calm app, and just have him telling oh, stories. Yes. He, if his agent voice. isn't working on that, he needs to because again, his iconic voice. You can also hear him calling football and basketball games for ACC Network.
1: As Max said, Wes has long been considered synonymous with the ACC. He began his professional career as the radio voice for Georgia Tech from 1995 to 2013 before joining Fox Sports South to handle play-by-play duties for ACC football, basketball, and baseball games. He is the son, and we talk about this, of longtime voice of the Tar Heels, Woody Durham, and has also been the play-by-play radio voice for the Atlanta Falcons, no big deal, since 2004.
0: It is time guys to talk with the mayor of the ACC and the ACC network. Let's get to it. West Durham, my man, my brother, making your debut on the podcast. How the heck are you, friend?
2: My career is complete. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. I've now done, I've done a Super Bowl, I've <laughs> done two national championship games in basketball. Uh, one on radio and another one on TNT's team stream. I've done uh let's see, I broadcast the ACC championship game in football. I've done several bowl games, including the you know, the BCS Orange Bowl game with Georgia Tech and Iowa. I, I think I'm good. You've now made it. Today. You can retire. I think I'm good after today. Yeah, I appeared on ESPN <laughs> my first year in the network. I did a basketball game, Louisville and NC State. The last, really one of the last couple things left was the uh Gramlich and McLean podcast. So I'm I'm good. <laughs> uh especially since Sunshine and Traeger Grills were involved on the front end. That's I had to appear. Right. There's the commitment because Ben <laughs> Sutton, my guy. Ben Sutton's on my board. He's the He's the chair Capital who owns Sunshine. That's my guy. I had you to do go. that. And then my neighbor, two doors over, Lieutenant Colonel, retired Lieutenant Colonel Mike Palk, U.S. Marines, has a Traeger grill. has nothing to do with you, Mac. Easy enough. Because I haven't, I haven't eaten off your Traeger grill. I've eaten <laughs> off Lieutenant Colonel Mike <laughs> Palk, retired Traeger grill. I love you it. You, you will All soon.
0: Right. Well, listen, we have a ton to cover. I'm super excited to, again, you just to share your story Um with our listeners, but let's go all the way back to the beginning. And I want to talk about your father. Hey, Woody, I want to talk about him. What was it like just growing up, I guess, in that household? Cause you were pretty much born into TV, into ACC country. I believe your father was in Greensboro, Raleigh, right? In 81, uh, he started with the Tar Heel network. So, I mean, you've been in the ACC.
2: Yeah. I mean, he started the, the real story about my dad is, is in 63 he graduated from carolina and his his senior year in college he actually did acc basketball on television amazing <laughs> my dad's <laughs> senior year in college he did an acc basketball game on television for cd chesley which at that time you know was the precursor of jefferson pilot and then raycom and so on and so forth so imagine my dad's senior year he's doing an acc basketball game on tv legend yeah, and then he his first television, he was a sports anchor and he graduated Carolina. He and my mom got married the next month and they went to Florence, South Carolina, where they lived for nine months in my dad's great line, in an apartment where the windows were painted shut in the summer. <laughs> um, thanks, Dad. Uh, but then essentially what transpired was he got a chance to come back to Greensboro to start in television 1964-65. Uh, I was born in 66. My dad, by the time I was born, was already doing ACC basketball on television, but he was also the football voice of Wake Forest. And that was radio, okay? Mm -hmm. And Wake Forest had a quarterback named John Makovic and a running back named Brian Piccolo, okay? So the 60s, my dad did football on radio for like Wake Forest and then Guilford College and then was doing ACC basketball on television. Now, to show you how the worlds have changed, right, uh, Homer Rice, great athletics director at North Carolina at the time, later at Georgia Tech and so forth, called my dad and said, I'd like to talk to you about a radio opportunity at, at North Carolina, 1971. Summer of 71, my dad drives to Chapel Hill, meets with Dr. Rice, and he leaves television to go to radio Wow! because the radio gig was far more encompassing than the TV game. <laughs> and he was a sports anchor in Greensboro, so from 71 to 81, uh we lived in Greensboro and he commuted back and forth to Chapel Hill to do the games. In 81, in 1977, we moved to uh, Cary outside of Raleigh, which at the time only had 17,000 people, by the way, which doesn't seem possible now. And then Four years later, he left day-to-day television. So in 81, which you were talking about, Mac, he left day-to-day TV and then continued to do Carolina another 30 years. Wow. And it was a marvelous way. It was a blessed way to grow up. Uh, I got the bug really when I was a kid. The way I connected with my dad was on Friday nights, I would go to the television station with my dad in the fall and winter because I really wouldn't see him during the week. He would come home late after the 11th. I'd wake up, go to school. He was still asleep. And by the time I got home, he was gone to work. And he would come home for dinner three nights a week, I guess, maybe four. But on Friday nights, I could go to the TV station. I could go to the high school football game. He might cover one or two high school games. Then we'd go to the TV station on Friday night. And I kind of got the bug. That's where I saw the media guides. That's where I saw the film, the audio, the posters in the office that schools would send and things like that. And I started going to Carolina games, obviously, with my mom prior to my brother being born. And then after my brother was born about 75, I really became 74, 75. My brother was born August of 73. It's just the two boys. And um, my grandparents lived in Winston-Salem, my mom's parents. They'd stay with my brother. My mom and I, before we moved, we'd go to the Carolina football games and sit in the stands. And I loved it. I had the juice. I mean, it was I was captivated by the whole thing. And um one of my first road trips—you guys will like this, so will most of your listeners. One of my first road trips with my mom and dad as a kid was—I went to Clemson. Come on, my Dad. Before he did Carolina, I mean, I can remember vaguely Mister Bradley taking he and Louise, his sweet wife, taking my mom and dad and me to a fish camp to eat at Clemson. Okay, now we went down there after Dad started doing Carolina and. Red Parker was coaching Clemson at the time. This is, this is pre-you guys by a million miles. <laughs> and I remember as like a seven-year-old, Red Parker's coaching Clemson, and my dad on a Friday, we go down to stay and see the Bradleys, because that's what my dad, my dad had known Mr. B for years. We go down to see the Bradleys, and I end up in Coach Howard's office. So when Mark does the impression of Coach Howard on our show <laughs> – I have had that happen because he goes, Woody, that boy, there bigger than you. (laughs) And that's all I know he said. So when Coach Howard said that, I was like, oh. I was like captivated because there's the great Frank Howard. My dad said, now you don't say a word. We're going to see Coach Howard. And that was the end of it. And so – You know, it was great. Uh, Unbelievable experience. At 1977, I got to go to Hawaii. 1972, at six years old, my first plane trip ever, I went to Hawaii to the Rainbow Classic with Carolina's basketball team. I got to sit with George Carl and Bobby Jones, great players at Carolina, at a luau. Unbelievable. Um, It it was just crazy. And then about 13 or 14, I kind of realized I wasn't going to grow much more, and I wanted to get in the business. And my dad was I mean he's my all-time favorite announcer. That's easy to say, but he was an inspiration to understand what I was going to get into. So at 15, 16, 17, I was geared in some cases not for the best because I kind of didn't think I needed biology and some of these other things, but um I was geared to do what I'm doing today and I I share with people today. I'm I'm blessed to be able to do something I have a passion for. That in most cases I would do for free, but they have to pay me to deal with the business of the business we're in. So there you go. That's that's the short version, and every stop along the way has been just incredible, and I'm grateful for it.
1: I'm glad to hear that all broken down because I knew the basics, but I didn't know the entire journey with your dad. And Wes, I'm curious, we know that you ended up at Georgia Tech for a while as the radio voice, but even before that, as you were working your way up in the business, mm-hmm. it had to be difficult for you in some ways. Like you had the end because of your dad, but also you're right. constantly compared to your dad. You're in his shadow. Yeah. So how did you navigate that?
2: Well, I, you know, I guess the first thing that happened was in, in some small way, I wasn't a great high school student. So I went to Elon and one of the reasons I went to Elon was they were nice enough to let me in. <laughs> uh, but they were also starting a communications program. And, you know, and I had to get my academics together and I was a better college student than I was high school student. But nonetheless, the, the thing that really helped me, Kelly, was is that I went to Elon and because they were starting a program, they really didn't have any rules like they would at Syracuse or Missouri or some of these other programs where you got to work two years doing this before you get chances, right? So all these kids that sat in the upper deck at Syracuse and did games in the cassette recorders, I actually did games on radio. I did games on the student station for four years. I did 150 football and basketball games in four years, and everybody says, well, God, what an unbelievable experience, and it was. But it also meant, too, that I got to progressively develop in four years in preparation and execution and on air and things like that. So I came out of it thinking, well, okay, I've jumped a bunch of people here in terms of reps, so I ought to easily get a job. Mm. And I was telling my dad, Dad, I'm going to send tapes. I sent tapes to 42 states. Zero when I graduated. Wow. Wow. Zero. And I was fortunate, but the one thing my dad told me, and Erica laughed because of the experience we, he and I have shared with my son now coming to Clemson, is that I told my son in the process of trying to find a GA position, Mac, hey, look, make sure you start to network, connect with people, take the advantage of being a student manager at Kennesaw State for four years. Well, my dad told me to do that, Kelly, as I was going through college. Don't just send me the tape, send it to other people. If you think the Elon Catawba broadcast was really good send it to someone. If you think your Elon Presbyterian football game was good, send it to someone. So I got a lot of feedback when I came out of college. I just didn't have any real jobs. And fortunately, one of the people I had connected with told me about an opening at Radford University in Virginia. No football, just basketball. But at that point, I was ready to work for anybody. And it was a full-time job on campus working for a school. So even the no football situation at Radford was a real blessing. I spent three years there, then i got an opportunity because i finished second for a wake forest job in the early 90s at 24 years of age 25 that i met someone who then helped me land the marshall job and i went to marshall in 1991 intending to stay for a long time i was only there one year because in 1992 at 26 i got a chance to be the voice of the vanderbilt commodores and i went i went to vanderbilt at 26 and the, the dirty little financial secret is took a pay cut to go. <laughs> <laughs> took a pay cut. Took a pay cut to go to Nashville wow. to be the voice of the Vanderbilt Commodores. And three years in, out of nowhere, I got put in a situation professionally where I had to make a hard decision. I had to make a decision about there was an opening in the SEC, and I was a candidate for the opening in the SEC um, and asked to be a candidate. And then I was called and told about Georgia Tech. Mm, how about that? And I had, I had to decide whether y'all wouldn't be talking to me on this podcast had I taken the SEC. Mm. Seriously,
0: the yeah.
1: But was um, it the ACC pull?
2: It was, it was. It was the ability to go to a top-10 media market, which was Atlanta, uh, the ability to be in the ACC, and to work for an institution like Georgia Tech where, you know, I, I, I have always thought, even today in what we do, uh, not only on television, but what I do for the Falcons on radio. I've always felt like you're an individual personality, but in in a way, you're still representing a brand of what that is. No doubt. Whether you're the school or whether you're the conference or whatever the case may be. So, yeah, it was, it was that. It was also, look, make no joke. For 16 years, I did football and basketball every year with my dad. And I, there was something about that. I grew up in the league. I like to think I know the league as well as anyone and the history of the league. So for me, the lure to go to Atlanta and be part of uh, the ACC at Georgia Tech was, yeah, was really important to me at the time.
0: And, and I mean, I don't think there's any question. All the things that you just said about knowing the league, being—I called you the mayor earlier of the ACC. Um, with with that, kind of moving to the, the the entire conference, let's look at the ACC network. When when did you get wind of this thing coming? Did you think that oh. this would ever happen when you? I guess you first started working
2: at Well, Georgia they talked State?
1: about it forever. I, I feel like. But they did I guess the question, question is like, for real, for real. Right. When did you think for real this is happening?
2: Oh, I look, I had uh, Tony Barnhart and I did a radio show in Atlanta on and off for like three years, and it ended up being a daily show. And then. You know, we kind of wanted to have summers off, and they wanted to syndicate, and the business side of it kind of fell apart, right? And that's the part they got to pay you for sometimes, <laughs> the business side. Um, but it, at the end, one of the things that happened was I started to know a lot of people in both leagues, right? Because I was working at Georgia Tech, but I got to spend a lot of time, like James Franklin at Vanderbilt, Nick Saban at Alabama. Well, one of the one of the really nice friendships that came out of that was Tony had already Established a great relationship with Mike Slive, who was the commissioner of the SEC, so Tony and I actually had lunch with Commissioner Slive one time where he was talking about Project X, which later was going to be the SEC network so and you know, Commissioner Slive had some pros and cons about doing a conference network, what it would mean long term the relationship with CBS and You know, Tony and I are kind of sitting there listening, like, man, we're we're getting the Department of Defense version here. (laughs) I mean, you know, this is this like the real deal. And I felt then, if they launched that network through ESPN, I felt like it was a matter of time before the ACC was going to do it. Because here's why: I actually think the ACC had a chance to do it with Fox earlier than the SEC, but I think Fox was such an unknown at the time, and the regional connections, and all those things. That, that it's really hard for athletic directors and coaches, Kelly and Eric, to visualize what that was going to look like. They knew ESPN. They knew that brand. They knew what it meant to basketball and football in the league, right? They were having a hard time visualizing what a abstract looking network was going to be with Fox. And remember at the time too, Fox television had been on the air with the NFL package about a decade. It's it wasn't as established as what ESPN had been since the late 70s. So to really tell you, when did I think it was a reality that I would work for the network? Um, fall of 18, maybe. Fall of 18, early 19, I thought that there was a chance I was going to be asked to come be a part of the network. Um, summer of 18, I had some conversations that, Okay, yeah. You're you're listening to what I've done. You're you've seen that you've heard the radio show on Sirius XM that Mark and I had started. Seemingly it was interesting to us that people at ESPN were really interested in the daily show we were doing on Sirius XM. And okay, you want to turn it into a show? Okay. But Mark is so successful at that format and Mark is so successful at that business that I just couldn't I wasn't gonna let I was gonna let him kind of steer me through the waters of that. I was going to worry about games, and if the show happened, the show happened. And fortunately for us, February and early March, it, it ramped up to warp speed, and I've got great agent who's been phenomenal for me for 17 years, and um, it all came together pretty quick. How about that?
0: And you, you, I know that games are you know, your bread and butter, your favorite thing to do, but you do have your own show. Your your name is associated <laughs> in the title of a show. Yes. Um, did you ever expect that? Did, did you think one day way back when, when you're going with your pops on Friday night, man, I'm going to have my own daggum show one day.
2: No, no. You, you, in fact, to this day, I would tell you you, that one day, somebody like we joke around on the show. One day, somebody's going to knock on door and go, you know what? We have made a mistake (laughs) and we're real sorry. (laughs) And we're going to help you over here to your box. And you can put all the things you need in your box, but you won't need to come back tomorrow. And I, I think How are have, they
1: going to do that in your own home? That's Wes.
2: right. Well, that, that's a tricky part. I guess I got to go back to the basement and right. kind of pick no, it up. Those dogs, man. Um, those dogs
0: won't let anybody in.
2: Well, yeah. Uh. I, I, so anyway, I, I think there is that that lure of you're always on it, right? You've always got to stay within kind of, hey, look, we're pushing this grind. Um, Coach Smith, Erica loved this, Kelly. You might too. I don't know how you are about it, but I know how EMAC is about motivational stuff uh coach smith said one time God. 30 years ago success is not a destination it's a constant journey and the minute i heard coach smith say that i was like i'm in and Hold so on. you're telling
0: me coach Sweeney didn't say that first you're telling me coach uh, dean it, smith said that i don't yeah, think i don't yeah. know about that i need to fact yeah. check that. well
2: yeah let me tell you something dabble <laughs> was sitting in a slot in pelham alabama That's waiting right. on jay barker yeah, sling it to him when he heard dean smith <laughs> say it uh but, um, but no, when I heard that, that's kind of the way I've always felt about this. You're always working. Yeah, I want to pay it forward because a lot of people helped me when I was young in this business, and it's important for me to connect at all levels to people in our industry because I think we have to help each other. That's how tough this deal's gotten. But I also believe, too, that when you push it forward like that, if you're willing to, you know, it's worth the squeeze. Let's be honest. What we do is, is worth the effort. At the end, we get the pretty good payoff on this, and so I've always taken it like that. So, I but I never envisioned the show. To answer your question, never in my life. That's amazing. I, I've got a I've got
0: a quick follow okay. up uh, before Kelly dives into uh, uh, some more important things. <laughs> what do you miss most about the basement, or more, more Mark Packer or Chester and Fuller?
2: oh the show is infinitely uh, easier if we're sitting there. I mean, it's infinitely easier when you come in. I mean, it's infinitely easier that, you know, Luganville, Mac, I mean, you know, Jay Billis comes and hangs out and brings something from the the market. Uh, you know, the show's infinitely easier that way. It's, a, it's an incredible credit to the people we work with that they've pulled this off. I mean, from a technological standpoint, I always like to tell people, if you knew how thin the high wire was, we were walking on to do this you'd be amazed. I mean, I tell friends of mine here in Cartersville who are really successful business people, how we do it. And they look at me like, you've got to be kidding. Um, but the show, the show, what do I miss the most in the basement? Probably Packer. Cause it's easy to push the button. He can push mine and I can push his and we laugh a lot and carry on. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a good time. It's a good time when we get rolling and, uh, and he's incredibly talented. That's the thing I, I just enjoy working with someone who's as talented as he is and, and dives into it and wants to do it as much as he does too.
1: It's, it's just like me and Mac, you know, Mac is an exceptional talent. <laughs> and so working with him all the time, it's, it's a blessing, but it's no Wes, It's cause you got these hype
2: s- setups. You got all this hype equipment you're right, using now. Right. And all this it's okay. it's right. It's real serious. right. all so good here. All right. In all ahead. seriousness,
1: Wes, I, in my other show, Mac, cover your ears, um, we were remote for a while, and now right. we're back in the same room. Well, technically, right. same place. It's so different. It's, it's, so what you guys do, being in different places, it's, it's incredibly difficult for you guys to make that f- flow, and it's yeah, impressive.
2: It is. And fortunately, though, and I think one of the benefits we have quickly is that, that we did uh, a year in change of radio that way mm-hmm. on Sirius XM. I mean, he was in Charlotte, and I was sitting in this room in Cartersville, and we're staring at ComRex machines and we're connected into New York and yep. we're internet based. So there was a delay. There was the understanding of questions will be back and forth type thing. Um, you know, it, it worked out fine. And I think that doing the 18 months of Sirius XM was the blessing to then when the pandemic hit and we went to the remote setup, the live from home deal. Uh, it, it gave us a bit of an advantage. I mean, we can still laugh, carry on, make jokes, do all the stuff we normally do. But you know, like I said earlier, it's it's a lot easier when you're in the same room. That's why I'm I'm looking forward to hopefully July when we're at the kickoff in Charlotte that we can all be relatively close and hang out again because I miss that part too. Yeah. I miss the this is gonna sound goofy, I guess the collegial atmosphere and Mac will remember this, Kelly. You weren't there, I don't think. The kickoff in july of 19 where we all were there i poured a huge glass of wine on mac's suit that night um (laughs) but uh and khaki god bless her got it cleaned it's amazing it's it's one of the great it's one of the great laundering feats of american history (laughs) uh (laughs) but we were all there that night and we didn't know each other we knew of each other but nobody knew each other and you tell me if I'm wrong, Eric, I, I thought within a day and a half, there was a really quick bond about what everybody was going to be. And everybody knew we were on the cutting edge. We were going to go fast. We would make mistakes. We might hit walls, but we were going to go fast and we were going to have fun. There's no question. And I thought, I thought that was a huge piece. And we've missed that part of an, forgive the use of the word maturity, but we haven't been able to mature as a network because we haven't been able to spend time together Mm -hmm. off air to bond like we did for those, you know, what, two nights, three nights in Charlotte, Eric?
0: Yeah, I think that's a very real thing. And and, I mean, when you get more comfortable with who you work with, when you build that relationship, I mean, luckily we did get a year. I mean, I couldn't imagine if we were launching a network in this past year and what that would look like. And I mean, learning TV, Remotely would have been very difficult. So thankful for that that we had those two days, and and thankful that mm-hmm. we had a year of you and Pack together in the basement. But man, I sure am itching to uh to get back to somewhat normal and to have you guys in the same room.
2: Yeah, no, it would be fun if we can uh, if we can get it all struck and and worked out. Hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully it's something we can get done sooner than later. I guess
1: before we get to a little football talk, Wes, because sure. we're gonna pick your brain about ACC football coming up. It's gonna be a really great year. I'm going completely off the book here because this is something that we've debated on my radio show. And I'm just curious, you know, the ACC better than anyone. So if you had to say as someone who's covered every sport, every team, Mm -hmm. the biggest brand in the league, and I'm talking not just Clemson, Duke, whatever, but Clemson football, Duke basketball, UNC basketball. Those are the three that come to mind. You can Syracuse basketball, whatever. Like, if you look at the SEC, I think we all know signature brand, Alabama football. That's it. Correct. What is it for the ACC in your estimation?
2: That's a really good question. And it's, I've always it's just a,
1: thought about it. And I don't, I don't know if there's a right answer, but I'm curious. It's hard
2: to, it's hard to answer because if you're going to tell me social media, I mean, Duke basketball is like the biggest brand in yeah. college athletics right now. Millions. Yeah. And their investment in the product started 10 years ago. hmm I mean, they, they went deep on social media and Facebook and, you know, all the things that they do. I mean, and even to the point where they, they overhauled about five years ago, their website now to where it's, it's amazing what you can find if you're getting ready to do a game at Duke. I mean, you guys know this, you're getting ready to do something with Duke. They've done, and a lot of credit goes to Dr. White, but Art Chase and all those people in that, that side of the shop, John Jackson, they've They've overseen, and each individual program, I think, also has a presence. But Duke basketball nationally is, if it's not the highest rated sport, period, on the college line, um, look, I think they but but also understand this too, I think Clemson football is one of those three teams, right? There are only three. I mean, we we continue to put people on the list, but it, it always goes... In some order, Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State. It always goes with those three. And then we can, you know, pencil in. We'll throw Southern Cal in there, the flavor of the month. Texas wants to win the August <laughs> national championship. They go on he, there. Uh, Kelly is, a, uh,
0: is from Austin. So you,
2: you have to I be careful when oh, yeah. we talk about and She the, knows very well. The Horns, baby. Oh, I'm what? very aware. But, it's she, just... but she knows the August national championships are a real thing in Austin.
1: It's not me, it's not my personal. Like you know where they also got
2: a bunch of them, too, Mac? Athens, Georgia, they got a, oh, oh, a bunch of them. Oh, They have a ton. Uh, so Grandpa, they got a ton. Mac,
1: I just want to see – I want Grandpa to see a playoff before he, he moves okay. on. Okay. That's Me all too. I all right.
2: want. The, uh, I want it for him. <laughs> Sark's your guy. Um, anyway, the, um, the idea here is, to answer your question, I think it is Duke basketball and Clemson football. But everybody has to have a dance partner. See, that's the beauty of the college game is that Duke has Carolina, you know? and Duke and Carolina have, have one another for those two showdowns. Clemson has had dance partners. They just haven't had the same one. So we don't have that yet. That's the thing I'm looking forward to the most, and I know we're going to talk football. That's the thing I think we will get in 21 that we're not – people aren't looking as much into that as I think they could, because I think the league's depth, and Eric, call me crazy here. I think everybody's gotten better. And a lot of people, a lot of people are deeper now than people realize outside the walls of what we do. I
0: think. There's no question. And you talk about quarterback play. There is not a better league top to bottom than the ACC. I mean, this is going to be a special year. I cannot wait to see it. And before, Kelly's going to ask you about the coastal, but before. Why we did do I get that, the coastal? You get the Coastal because you're you're crazy. You get chaos. You get the Coastal. You you bring up Dance Partner, and I think it it could have been FSU, but again, they're on the same side. Let's talk Notre Dame really quick. Is that going to be Clemson's
1: Mac, they left partner? us. Are,
0: are, you're not are playing they getting, back. Well, what do you think? Gone. You talked to our new commissioner. You've got them. Do you think in five years oh, I see. they're in? That's what I'm asking you. Can they be that that elusive can they grab them and pull them in dance partner where, you know, we're in 2030, however many years that is. And it's like, yeah, All this right. rivalry is nuts. Yeah,
2: okay. Are we going to live on the front end of fantasy street here? Yes. Okay. I mean, hey, it's
0: fantasy world. Well, actually, I, I want to well, know your true thoughts. Do you five, think they'll be in in
2: five years? Possibly. Yes, possibly. Cause I think the landscape may change to a point and you know, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag on my scheduling methodology on this though. See, I think we've all got to get the five leagues to play the same schedule composition. I agree. And that's not a very popular topic with my partner or some ACC and SEC fans, because I think they, that the league needs to play nine league games. I'm a nine guy. And the reason I'm at nine is because I think that's the concession you make to say, hey, we're all going to play the same thing. And oh, by the way, if, the football coaches and the ADs and the commissioner decide they want to take the division walls down, then you have a comparable piece with the other conferences in the country. You know, and the fact that there's an NCAA legislative rule, well, rules with that crowd are meant to be changed. So I'm not as worried about that as I am. All five power leagues, Eric and Kelly, play in the same number of games. Conference games, I mean, in my methodology, you play nine conference games. You play two Power Five non conference games. And in the case of Clemson and Georgia Tech and uh, Louisville and Florida State, you've already got one of them built in. Okay. And then you play another Power Five non conference game. Does it have to be home and home? No, but if it is, that's fine. And then you get a floater. If you want to play a G5, play your G5. Furman. Wofford, all those schools, Citadel; those are important South Carolina State. Those have been important games to Clemson University. I've heard Dabo talk about it a hundred times. Sometimes those FCS games are important to SEC schools, right? Fine, you play that game; it's your floater. But what it does is it it creates more equity and more equality than people realize across the board of the five conferences. Because you know that one year you're going to say, "Well, our schedule is really hard." It also creates schedule equality for a lot of schools within certain leagues that right now I don't think you have. And that's that's one of the things we've got to look at. And Notre Dame will get it figured out. If we make every Power Five plus Notre Dame, BYU, whoever else wants to get in the boat, you want to be in the play for this, fine. You've got to play that schedule structure. And everybody can get there. Don't tell me you can't get there. We proved that's a pandemic point. We proved last year we can get there. It's not as difficult as people think.
1: I agree. We had um, Jordan Cornett and Jessica Smetana on on our Homer pod, and it's—I I mean this in a loving way—it's the uppity nature of Notre Dame in that. And Jessica even said this, right, Mac? She's like, "We got to play Southern Cal. We've got to play Stanford. We're Notre Dame. We're not." She Go said, "We're Go not a regional brand. Teams. We're Go a ahead. national okay, brand."
2: <laughs> Look, you're a national brand in the sense that that's the way your school's football imagery was written.
1: Yeah, but it's not the 30s anymore.
2: That's right. right. We got to adapt. Kelly, I don't know if you've heard this story. (laughs) I think I told Mac this story, and you were sweet enough to ask about my dad early. The biggest argument my dad and I ever had was 9 to 12 in ACC expansion. Really? Oh, my mom had to clear the kitchen. Take it out of here. (laughs) My dad was like, my dad won't. He was against it. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I said, that
1: He's a traditional guy.
2: Absolutely. I mean, he had a hard time digesting Florida State until Gene Cargan told him exactly why they had to do it. Now, all right, I'm in. I mean, you know, but (laughs) here's the thing. I I think we all have to understand that this is an evolving product. The the Notre Dame history and America's team and playing Southern Cal State, and look, they've got a reason to play Navy, and I respect it, okay? They've got a legitimate reason. Navy kept Notre Dame's doors open during the war, Okay. I get all yep. that. I'm. I've, I've talked to Jimmy Dunn and Coach Kelly, and I understand the Navy thing. Southern Cal and Stanford. I laugh at the Stanford thing. It's one of our traditional rivalries. Yeah, since 1997, you've been playing that traditional <laughs> rivalry. Not it goes not way, 18, back. way back. 1997. But yeah, I, look, I think the possibility for Notre Dame to join the league to to close the loop on this. Yeah, I think it's possible, but also think too. That you can play, see, I used to be a guy, with well, if Notre Dame's in, somebody else has got to be there. But I'm a guy now that believes if Notre Dame's in, then you're playing 15 because guess what? The division right. walls are down. And if you exactly. and Dan Radakovich, Clemson and I used to have when we were worked together at Georgia Tech, we used to sit on a whiteboard and and draw up even numbers. And I told him last fall, I said we wasted a bunch of time drawing even numbers. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he laughed. He said, you're True. exactly right. We How many hours did we waste? I said, a bunch. Um, but it's, you know, it's just one of those things that I think, uh, in all honesty, um, I think it's doable. And I think Notre Dame realizes last year was a really good situation. And I think some begrudgingly in the ACC agreed, too, that having Notre Dame here uh, was a good thing as well. Look, we got two teams in the playoff. That's not a bad thing. That's not exactly. bad.
1: Exactly. Oh, I was all on board. People, some people wanted to hold on to the traditional thing. Some people said Notre Dame didn't want us. They only needed us because of COVID. Who cares? The bottom line is right. the bottom line. And it's business. And it was great but
2: football. Wait, this is business. It's yeah. not letter jackets and homecoming it dances is. anymore. I mean, this is business. Right. This yeah, is a big And we got to go, you know, that's David Coburn said on our show, it's imperative we play in full stadiums this fall. I mean, that's the athletic director of Florida State now. That's not some cat trying to start a program. I mean, right. I mean <laughs> right. that's why I think we all have to kind of open our eyes to what the flexibility and the um, the nimbleness, the words we used last year during the pandemic. Those are words that will be really mm-hmm. important in the next three to five years for all of us, I think, too.
1: For sure. Okay, uh, let's talk about the Coastal and uh, the division that makes no sense ever, ever, ever. It. <laughs> Wes, the, the idea that North Carolina is the favorite, I think we all can agree on that, but that's not going to happen because it's the Coastal. So what, what do you make of this division?
2: Um, you know what? It's, it's funny because I was on a uh, show yesterday in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I was asked about Carolina. And as much as I like Carolina, here's the thing I would say about the Coastal and maybe the league as a whole. I, I've got to see a little prove it on the defensive side. I got to see a little prove it out of Jay Bateman and the the defense at Carolina. I got to see a little prove it at Miami. Um, I got to see a little prove it from Randy Bates at Pitt. But to Max's point earlier, Kelly, this thing's going to be electric on offense. I mean, when you bring back 13 guys who started at least two ball games a season ago at quarterback, that's crazy. And so I'm kind of... uh, to be honest with you, I'm kind of really encouraged by what level of play we can see this year. And that's why I think it's going to be better than people outside the wall of the league think. And I think Carolina should be the favorite. I think Ty Chandler makes a big difference in Carolina's run game. I think they're better in the offensive line, Eric, than people think they are. Um, yep. Uh, is it a Wundu? Who's the, the the left guard, right? Josh? Yeah. Yes. He's, He's very good. good. He's very good. Yeah, Joshua. Woundu at, at guard, I think, is a really good player. And they bring back guys. They're not plugging now. Granted, it's not as, you know, maybe explosive at wide receiver right now as people think, but they got guys. I mean, they, they are – I would flash back to 10, 12 years ago at Clemson and start thinking about when Clemson started to turn the corner from a depth perspective with dudes at wide receiver. I think Carolina's kind of getting there. And if Chandler can run the ball, look, Sam Howell, stay healthy dude, is going to put up big numbers. Big no bump. question.
0: I, I'm excited to see it again. You, you talk about quarterback play. We, we've got some great ones in the Coastal. I mean, again, Kenny Pickett coming back for his 15th year. Excited to see that. Dear King, if he's healthy. Are you it, saying you played against Kenny really Pickett? Did top. you
2: play against Kenny Pickett?
0: I <laughs> may or may not have a picture of us on the field together playing. <laughs> I do not have that, obviously. But it was I'm, close I'm excited to What is it? A year? It's, it's close. A difference? Two? It's probably close because um, – Sixteen, seventeen is when they beat Mark Rick, and uh, that was like a year after I was done. It was Cause I got cause
1: sixteen. <laughs> sixteen was Nathan Peterman.
2: There you go. So it had when, to. When they, yeah, so yeah, it was yeah. 17. So seventeen. So two Trust years. Trust
1: me, that game is ingrained in my brain.
2: <laughs> that third down play is more ingrained.
0: Yeah,
1: the shuttle pass. Shuttle pass.
0: Still trying to stop it. Still trying to stop it right now. All right, let's move to the Atlantic. Right. Do you think? I mean, is Clemson still the king of this thing, the king of the ACC? And do you see, I guess, any teams in the Atlantic, maybe just two, give me two, uh, that could challenge or that will be that second and third place team?
2: All right. Uh, first of all, I, and Tony Elliott was on the show with us this week, and I said to him, you have a problem slicing up the football. I mean, because of the, of the explosiveness and all the different weapons they've got. I mean, Mac, you saw, we saw a spring game. I mean, they didn't play everybody. And yet, the running back <laughs> carousel was sick. And, you know, Lynn J. Dixon, uh, I mean, Ches Malusi transferred after the spring game because he realized Michael Dukes, Phil Maffa, uh, Kobe Pace, uh, lin J. He's been there as long as you have. Um, you know, <laughs> and they're, Shipley. they're all, Shipley might be Shipley. the guy. All those and guys Will you Shipley, just mentioned, and it might yeah, be Will and, Shipley. And, and, oh, by yeah. the way, Will Shipley. So. <laughs> You take in that, and yeah, Clemson should be the favorite. Now, you're selling me and Roddy defense. You're selling me that they're going to be good. I don't disagree with that. Uh, and again, we didn't get to see all the stars in the sky on, in the spring game, but I saw enough to know that Andrew Booth can still play. And I think they're going to be, as Anders will be back in the secondary with Nolan. And I think that's a huge get for them. Now, who challenges them? I got to tell you, I, I like NC State. And I like Devin Leary, and I like the fact that he's, you know, got some stability at the quarterback position. We all love Iquanu at the left tackle spot. We know he's a player. I like the other things they did in the offensive line. They got six and seven year guys playing in that offensive line now. They're not pups. So they got two running backs. They got four wide receivers, and I think they've got the tight end thing kind of in project to fix because you don't lose Kerry Angeline and. Parham, Parham, I'm I'm a fan of. Dylan Parham, I'm a fan of. I I think he can help them next year. Kerry Angeline was a threat, though, a major threat every time they got there. The secret for them is going to be I think they're going to be a lot better on defense than people realize. I I think they're going to be really, really good if they can stay healthy because I think Peyton Wilson and Isaiah Moore are big-time talents. I like their front. It's not flashy, but I like their front, and I like what Tony Gibson did. And here's the other thing, too, Eric. They went 3-3-5 two years ago. They've already now they've built all the infrastructure behind the three three five of Tony Gibson. And I think that's there's something to be said about that. And look, their schedule is friendly enough. Clemson is really early for them though. Um,
1: it's in Raleigh though.
2: Yeah, it is. But strange things happen in Raleigh, like Brian Underwood got ruled out of bounds and he didn't step out of bounds. Whoa, whoa, I mean a lot of things. I was happened. there,
0: he stepped out of bounds. <laughs>
1: Look, strange things happen strange. for sure. Ray-Ray McLeod's playing like four positions. <laughs> wearing two different jerseys. Those games.
2: Say, strange stuff goes down in Raleigh, and it'll be a night game, and it gets stranger because they'll wear the blood red right. and all the other mm. stuff, and <laughs> Clemson will come out there wearing purple pants. It'll be a Whoa. bad look on TV That'll both never, ways. I'll just go ahead
0: and throw this out there. That I will wish. Never happen. <laughs> will about never, unless pants. it's military appreciation. He will never okay. like the purple
2: pants. All right, so we'll go white pants. It'll be, you know, That's all right. that. So it was going to be a bad look if they had the purple drawers out there. Though. Right, Boy, I'm just right. Saying. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, Mac, again, I'm going off the, off the beaten path here. I want you, you can ask Wes the um, prediction question. But before that, Let's talk about Florida State for a second, because when you said dance partner, Max said, oh, no. Max's like, to talk oh, my about God. It? What are you going to ask I'm not going to ask what, Wes what are you how, ask? how to wait, fix it.
2: Wait, I thought EJ was already on the podcast. He's been here. <laughs> he, he's going to make a return in the fall, though. Don't you worry.
1: <laughs> if I ask Wes how to fix it, we're going to be here for an hour. But that's not my question. You, you brought up dance partner, and that's what it was. That's Clemson's dance partner until things just went completely south. Can the ACC and the ACC network achieve... As much as it wants to, can it be as great as it wants to be without FSU coming back? Because I am honestly not sure that that's a guarantee. And I mean, back to I
2: understand to, you well, know
1: making the playoff.
2: Okay, let me let me back up here. They will have an incredibly difficult time recreating the 15 year run. Okay, I just don't think that's attainable anytime soon. I'm gonna. I know Packer will be on this podcast eventually. Once you get it you you scheduled. Um, but Mark says it, and he's right. The ACC is going to be a better league nationally if it's Clemson, Virginia Tech, Miami, and Florida State because those are the other brand names that are in the league. Yep. So right. while you asked me about Florida State, that's fine, but we need Miami and Virginia Tech also to be those brand names because that brings more eyeballs to the games every week. And that's what... You know, people say, well, what's the difference in the ACC and the SEC? It's the eyeball factor. And the eyeball factor is different because they, well, Clemson and maybe Carolina and maybe somebody else, but you get LSU thrown in there, you get Auburn thrown in there, you get Georgia thrown in there. Well, those are extra eyeballs that dominate those particular states. And that brings more more people to the game. And I, I think that's where Mark is exactly right. Kelly, we can talk about Florida State. I think Mike Norville is a good coach. I think they got a chance to certainly be better than they were a year ago. But reality is, it's not just about Florida State. It's also about Virginia Tech. It's also about Miami. Um, I think Carolina really helps, but Carolina is a program that they need to show up for two, three more years to kind of rebrand the football culture because when you don't have a great year and I saw this play out at Georgia Tech I mean Paul Johnson won 20 games in his first two years and then won like 12 or 13 the next two it can be tough you can lose a lot of your program momentum even still having winning seasons so I think yeah Florida State you can't it'll be hard to recreate the 15-year run but I, I certainly think Florida State can get back to where they're a presence nationally. And that yes, that would help the ACC.
0: No question about it. Okay, as we wrap up, last, last question. It's kind of a two-part question here for you. ACC football championship right here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Give me who will be playing. We've kind of already said our favorites, which maybe, maybe you're going off the beaten path. And then tell me who's going to win it and uh, be in the playoff.
2: Well, I mean... Come on now, I mean, I'm gonna say Clemson because I just like to hear people say it. You know, that's why I asked this question at the very <laughs> end. <laughs> no, I, I, Clemson plays from the Atlantic, but I don't think it's going to be easy. I, I just don't think it's going to be this run off and hide thing. And and it run off and hide being undefeated, people say, well, they were undefeated, they did run off and hide. No, nah, I don't. I'm, I think you're going to have some one, one loss, maybe two loss teams behind them. I mean, I think it's going to be a real scrap, and I think. They'll have to, and this is where the culture helps them so much because I think the the way they prepare that football team, um, they've got a chance to have a, a great year, but there are also going to be other teams in the league that have a great year. Um, I, you know what? Do we trust Miami? I don't know. Do we know? I mean, see, <laughs> I, there's a lot to me, and look, Alabama aside in week one, there's a lot about Miami right now that I think is still being determined. So in late May, I'm going to pick Carolina, but I'm going to tell you Pittsburgh's going to be <laughs> Pittsburgh's Okay, be I like that. Uh, and, and the reason I'm and the reason I'm leaning to Pitt is, first of all, I think Kenny Pickett makes a big deal there. I think that's a big deal. Tayser, Mack, Trey, T- I mean – Mac, Eric, you've seen their depth oh, yeah. chart. I mean, people don't realize how good Kalaja Kansi is, how good Servassier dennis is. Pike in the second, I mean, they got guys that have played football there. A lot of guys. Now, they lost a ton of guys. Don't get me wrong. The fire breathers on the end, they were real football players. But the the idea is Cancy and Servasier-Dennis are really, really talented. I think they're going to be okay in the offensive line. A little bit like Clemson. They were tinkering and moving guys in and around during the, during the spring. But two running backs? Maybe three? Uh, is he a Banikanda? Vincent Davis? I mean, they, they've got guys. And here's the name I'll give you. Lucas Kroll. Yes.
0: I said that all last year and it
2: never happened, but I agree. Well, you got hurt. He got hurt. <laughs> he got hurt. But Lucas Kroll, Kelly, I'm telling you, you take that one to Quark. <laughs> okay. Lucas Kroll... Lucas Kroll's going to be agree. a factor in this league. I
0: completely agree.
2: I mean, he is a major athlete at tight end. I mean, he's in the whole uh, Kelsey, uh, Kyle Pitts, that that mold. And I, yeah, Pitts, that week two game at Knoxville, the week two game at Tennessee is going to be really, really interesting for Narduzzi's team. But I, I'll take Carolina because I think they'll be able to score Mac from the jump, right? But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna hedge bet on Pitt just because I think there's a chance.
0: I love that, and I think the name of the game of football now is offense is scoring points. I mean, we've seen the last three, four national. Well, you held on every play. It was about offense then too. I, gra- I grab on the inside. They don't call it. I think the key to Pitt, though, I, I want to get this on record. If Pitt has a run game, I think they could be in the championship. But that I think is going to hold them back.
2: Abana Kanda and Vince Davis are guys you just don't know about. Yep. And I I think Kanda and Ty Chandler are the two guys that could emerge in the Coastal in terms of a run game that could change the dynamic of those two teams. The reason I'm leaning Carolina, Sam Howell's a proven product in our eyes. Ty Chandler's not. But I'm leaning on the all-purpose leader at Tennessee last year coming to Chapel Hill and having that same kind of impact not to tell you he's jo- uh, Javante Williams and Michael Carter, but I think he can have a lot of that percentage to take. And that's that's got to be encouraging for the Tar Heels, I would
0: think. No question. Wes, this was so much fun. Thank you for joining us. I don't get us. to play
2: this and that. I don't get to play this Especially, and that. No, 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 I this don't. and
0: that. No, this and that. That's exclusive to to Kelly next and myself.
2: No, next that's, time, No, that's not going to be a next time because Packer, Packer's going to be on here and then I'll never be invited.
1: <laughs> that is incorrect.
2: Okay. Right. Not true. Great to see you guys. Look forward to seeing you soon in person, right? You're the bomb. That was a lot of fun, Wes. Really, thank you. Thanks, Wes. Anytime. Thanks, guys.
0: Wow, that was such a fun interview, Kelly. I, I just love talking with Wes all the time. I mean, we'll we'll text, we'll call. He just is a guy that has so much insight because number one he you know he's kind of old he's been there he's done that uh, but just a ton of experience and a guy that cares about this conference that cares about this network and just his ideas about the ACC very similar to mine and probably because I talked to him so much but you know just really excited for the future of the ACC and seeing some of those things he brought up come into life
1: and one thing that we actually didn't get to in the interview because Wes would probably be too humble about it but he talked about and when he was talking to us about his rise in his career, how he was networking, he was constantly just sending his tape to people that he could talk to and give him tips and, and that kind of thing. And, you know, Wes actually did that for me. I sent him a tape. Oh, gosh. Well, tape. Not these days, Mac. I sent him an email <laughs> um, maybe three years ago. Maybe that's right. And he was kind enough to get on a phone call with me, talk to me for like 30 minutes Gave me some advice. This was before I was I was hired by ACC Network, so I always appreciated that from Wes. And that's just you know you don't forget that. And Wes did not have to do that at all. I, he probably had no idea who I was at the time. So just appreciated that from yep. from old Wesley Durham.
0: And, and it's cool to hear you know, especially guys who have been in the business for so long and are so established, and you know don't don't have to you know help people or, or right. you know get people going. He cares and and he wants to continue you know, the growth of this, you know, industry and and help young people and really, you know, just pay it forward, as he said time and time again with this interview, which similar to you, I, I think is just very cool. And he's just he's a great guy. So happy that he came on the pod.
1: And happy that we got him first over Pack because he was excited
0: that. about that. Let's be honest.
1: <laughs> he can, we just went alphabetically. Okay, <laughs> Mac, it is now time for this or that. This has become I would say our favorite segment on the podcast, and you guys have really reacted to it on social media, so we're going to keep it going. We're going to discuss a couple of topics and then debate which one you would take. Is it this one or that one? So let's start with this question. Mac, this question is brutally difficult. There's no wrong answer. There's no right answer, arguably. Which of these two ACC schools will make a bowl game in 2021? Is it this? Is it Georgia Tech who went three and seven last year? Or that Florida State who went three and six last year? Mac, what are your thoughts on this one?
0: This is a really tough question because if you look at the two teams, I think there's I think there's more promise with Georgia Tech. Like you kind of know who your stars are. You're looking at that defense, which I know they gave up, you know, so many points, so many yards, but there's some guys who are really solidified themselves as leaders, as playmakers on that side of the ball. And then offensively, with with Sims and Gibbs in the backfield, I think they're going to be one of the more explosive backfields in the country. Uh, but then you look at FSU and just say, hey, look, if they don't go to a bowl this year, that'll be the first time they haven't gone to post-se- the postseason back-to-back since 1976, which was Bobby Bowden's first year, and we all know wow. the dynasty just exploded after that. So I look at both these teams' schedules, they are brutal. They, they are probably some of the toughest in the country, not just the conference, but I think Georgia Tech's is a little more difficult. So with that in mind, if I have to choose to uh, between these two, I think I'm going to go with Florida State. I do not feel confident about that. I don't feel great about it. Uh, but looking at Georgia Tech's schedule, I've got to lean towards FSU make, making a, the bowl season.
1: You know, I hate agreeing with you, Matt. <laughs> I don't like it. But, <laughs> and you know, I think FSU, they've brought in a lot of pieces via the transfer portal, as we know. And I don't think we can just say Mackenzie Milton's going to win that job because Jordan Travis is is very much in the running. It's interesting because if you compare Jordan Travis and Jeff Sims, similar guys, guys that want to run it first, and so maybe the key here is which of those two guys develops the most as a passer, and then the answer is is that team. The reason I'm going with Florida State and not Georgia Tech, I think both schedules, as you've said, are brutal. They both play Notre Dame, they both play Clemson, and then Georgia Tech has Georgia, and Florida State has Florida. Now, Florida to me is more winnable, just if you look at those two, than Georgia for Georgia Tech, but... My main concern for Georgia Tech is, you know, that final month when you're really trying to make a push to make a bowl game and maybe you just need to win one or two more. November for Georgia Tech at Miami, Boston College, at Notre Dame, Georgia. To me, that's 0-4. And you know, that could change, but to me that's 0-4 right now, even if you have, even if you you have right four wins or five wins going into November. Are you going to win any of those games? So that's my main concern for Georgia Tech is the the ending to their schedule, and that's why I'd have to say Florida State. But because of the schedules, I'm not sure I'm super confident in either of these teams, Mac.
0: I'm right there with you, and I love that you brought up that November for Georgia Tech and just seeing how tough it is. I'm giving kind of a, a sub-bullet question here, kind of a follow-up question that's mm-hmm. not a part of our regular uh, schedule programming, but of those four games, um, who? What? What? which one do you think they could win? If you had to pick one to say, man, I, I think they could get it done here, what What in your opinion would that game be in those
1: four? You know, it's it's interesting to see what happens with Miami. Is Derek King healthy at that time? With Notre Dame, it, is Jack Cohn the guy? Like, what's the answer with Notre Dame? I don't know if we can just chalk up, okay, Florida State and George Tech are both going to lose Notre Dame because I think Notre Dame's going to take a real step back. But that game is at Notre Dame, November 20th could be a cold weather game, et cetera. We always know Georgia Tech, weirdly enough, crazy things happen with Georgia, but probably the most winnable game for me in that stretch is Boston College at home. I think, you know, if Georgia Tech has gotten better throughout the year, if Jeff Sims has taken a step forward passing the football, if BC still can't run it and Georgia Tech can really run the ball with Gibbs, then to me, that's the most winnable to beat BC at home. But still, if if Boston College is anything like what you and I think they're going to be, then that's just a brutal finish to their schedule.
0: There's no question. So a little inside analysis from Kelly Gramlich there. All right, let's move on to the next this or that. This is a a more of a true, you know, kind of this or that question where you're having to actually choose uh, something that that could make a big difference here. So this or that, Kelly, De'Eric King's speed and elusiveness at your quarterback position or... Phil Jerkovic's size and power. If you're picking your quarterback to lead your college team, which of these are you going with? This or that?
1: Eric McClain, this is a great question. Come and on. I know you did this question because you have the size and power, and I've always been known for my speed. <laughs> so that's obviously why you put that's this question right. on here. Um, <laughs> this is a joke. I was never known for my speed. So this is tough because if you look at these two guys, the one that's had the most injury concerns is Derek King, right? Because Dracovic does have that size and power, and he's huge. He's six six. He's 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 just a, a a real tough presence in the pocket. But for me, and this is kind of when it comes to our our run or pass question in the end zone or in the red zone, there are certain truths that I hold on to, and to me, it is that speed kills. So. I think I would take Derek King's speed and elusiveness because he's still a great thrower of the football. You know, he's not, he, he doesn't need to take those steps forward like a Sims does or a Jordan Travis. So he has that ability, but his speed, his elusiveness, it's really impressive. I, I don't know what you're going to say, Mac, but I'm almost always going to go with speed if you ask me that question.
0: I think, you know, Kelly, if, you know, ESPN talent, um, if you get bored of that, You'd be a great saleswoman <laughs> for all of the reasons that you just listed there. Oh, um, I thought you were
1: going to say Olympic sprinter.
0: Or Olympic sprinter. That, that was the third option. That That's your super fallback <laughs> if, if things get really tough for you as Olympic sprinter. Um, I'm going with size and power. I, I just think that Phil can do things that others can't. Uh, I think when you look at you know the quarterback position and, and – Especially the way that it's changing so much, you know maybe the smarter thing would be to lead to the guy who can you know do more with his feet and and is super elusive and quick and can get out on the on the edge and and really just spread the offense out but phil is he's just so different and and the power that he has in that arm can make every throw uh you know just on the field, and not that Derek King can't make a ton of the throws, there's just not a throw that Phil can't make, and you know I think that is because of how big and strong he is so I'm going with Phil. I think when you have that 6'6, 240 quarterback, I just think of Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, and the success that those guys have had. Um, I'm leaning that way. I want a big, strong quarterback, can take the hits, can take uh, you know, the 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 bulk of a season and still be my guy. So that that's the way that I'm leaning for that one. But both, again, great choices. Can't wait to see really both of these guys. You talk about, uh, you know, Derek King possibly being the second best quarterback in the ACC. I've seen him all over Heisman bids of future draft picks and and things of that nature and really think that Phil is going to be a guy that rises very quickly. So two great choices there. Uh, But now it's time for the secret question. And guys, I'll just remind you this, Kelly has no idea what I'm going to ask here. Other questions we have scripted, this one is truly, you know, her reaction in the moment. And I have to tell you, I have to give a big shout out to you know, all my you know followers on, on Twitter and Instagram. You guys sided with me last week in the fact that you want to throw the fade. You don't want to run it in. You don't want to fall back in there. Uh, you want to spread the ball out and throw it on the edge. And that just makes my heart warm. But for the secret this or that, Kelly like would you rather blow the other team out for a championship or Would you rather it come down to the game-winning field goal to seal the deal?
1: Oh, Oh, man. That's a good one, Mac. Okay. This is pretty easy for me just because I am ruthless uh, in anything. I'm a ruthless competitor. You can ask my husband. You can ask my brother. You can ask 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 her
0: bridesmaids. Ask her bridesmaids. She's literally elbowing them out of the way to win in Top Shot, Top Shot.
1: Bachelorette Olympics, yes. <laughs> um, I want to destroy you. I I want to put my my foot on your throat, and I want you to, uh, as they say in in the classic film, remember the Titans, leave no doubt. <laughs> I I want to leave no doubt. So I think I would go with a blowout because you know a lot of fans would say, if we're just talking about the two Clemson national titles, the most recent ones, the most memorable one might be Deshaun Terrenfro to, to win it, right? But the most dominant one, the one that really blew your mind, was when Clemson just stomped on Alabama's throat and and Alabama couldn't get back up. So I would say blowout, Mac. What about you?
0: I, I like that because I, I will tell you, I definitely had more fun when we were in California. I'm singing "Sweet Home Alabama" at the top of my lungs to every <laughs> Alabama fan near me as we're winning forty-four to sixteen uh, to the one of the best teams of all time, allegedly. Um, that's fun, but as a fan and, and just being locked into the whole game, there's nothing like a game coming down to the very end and, and not knowing what's going to happen, which way is it going to go? It's stressful, though. It's stressful. I mean, there's so much emotion, and Ooh. even after you win it, it it's just—I felt like it—it it just takes it to another level. When you're up by you know 40 points, you kind of know, and, and you prepare yourself, and it's not—it's not that aha moment. It's not that unbelievable relief once you do it. So I think to to you know, kick a 50-yarder with zero seconds on the clock, that's a way that uh, all games should end in in some form Mm. or fashion to win championships.
1: You're putting a lot of pressure on your kicker. That's (laughs) the last thing I want, Mac. I never want the game to come down to the sweet, sweet kicker. I mean, look, (laughs) I have a lot of respect for kickers. You guys do a tough job. You got to be mentally tough. BT Potter is my guy. We've talked hair on the show before, but like, I, I don't want it to come down to my kicker. Sorry, kickers. I don't trust you guys you, You'd rather
0: much. You'd rather be a, a last-second pass or last-second
2: play. Well,
1: yeah. It, look, to, for it to come down to Deshaun, and I'm sure Bama fans, when you reverse it, for it to come down to Tua against Georgia, right. that – that works. Yeah. That you'll take that over the kicker. <laughs> That's
0: right. I agree. Well, guys, this has been such a fun episode. We hope that you loved Wes's interview just as much as we did. Thank you so much for his time and and coming on the podcast. We know he's he's such a busy man, but the reason why this episode sounds so great is because of our producer Richmond Weaver. Be sure to check out his podcast, Rich Take on Sports. You can find it anywhere you get your podcasts, uh, and he has so many great guests, so many great topics, just really anything that has to do with the sporting world, with, with people's faith. Rich has it all on there, and it, it's a lot of fun. So give that a listen. Uh, you won't be uh, disappointed at all there. But thanks again for tuning into this episode of Gramlich and MacLane We always appreciate you guys listening. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, subscribe to our podcast, drop a little five-star rating, write us a review. We would greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see y'all.